0: Have you ever longed to escape reality or fantasized about stepping into someone else's shoes, even for just a little while? Hi, I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Hawley. We host CBC's Play Me, the immersive podcast that transforms theater into addictive audio fiction. Join us for a new season and disappear into a world rich with drama, where every show delivers hypnotizing stories and unveils intriguing characters with secrets. Play me wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. When you go through a loss, if you've ever lost someone that you love, you know it can feel a little bit like it's hard to imagine life going on at all. Like it feels absurd that people are still going about their day while this person is missing. But then life does go on. You continue living. Dallas Green, or City in Color's new album, is kind of about that, about the sudden loss of his friend, his collaborator, but how you keep going. He's here to talk about this personal record coming up. Plus, Debbie Friday lived a life that it's hard not to be jealous of, late nights and early mornings in the underground dance scene in Montreal, until one day, she had enough. To get better, to help herself be the best version of herself, she left that scene, she moved back home, and she focused only on music. Now her album is one of the most talked about this year, and she'll be here to tell you her story. Debbie Friday, coming up. I'm Tom Power. You are listening to Q. So Dallas Green, he's from St. Catharines, Ontario. He makes music under the name City in Color, one of the most successful touring acts ever out of Canada. He sings in the band Alexis on Fire. Another one of the most successful touring acts ever out of Canada. Here's something you might not know about touring unless you've done it. It's not for everyone. Like, honest to God, it wasn't really for me. It's months and months of, like, motels and takeout and sleeping in a different bed, never seeing your family. But the people who choose to live that life, they can't imagine life any other way. And they often make their own family. So a few years ago, while Dallas was on tour in Australia, he lost a part of that family. His collaborator, Carl Barham, died in a scuba diving accident. The profound loss was one of the inspirations for City and Color's new record, The Love Still Held Me Near. But the record's not just about his own loss. It's about how all of us celebrate the people that we love, about how we move through grief, how we come out the other side as different people. But we just keep going. It was a profoundly... Personal conversation about grief, I can't imagine it was easy for Dallas to come in and have it, so I'm really grateful to him that he did. Here's my conversation with Dallas Green How are you? I'm very good, nice to see you again, you too, my friend. I saw you like a couple of weeks ago, yeah, and I enjoy it whenever we get to hang out. yeah,
1: it was nice to have that, you know, yeah, this is nice, yeah, but that was nice
0: yeah if i if we could only do this, there'd be something wrong, you know right exactly. sometimes I worry about being the guy who can only do this yeah yeah i'm same same way, and then outside of that i scurry away. Yeah, um, I'm a bit nervous about this. Not nervous, but like, I'm not nervous. I'm, Um. I guess I'm feeling a lot as I'm about to talk to you. Because first off, I just really loved the record. Well, thank you. It's uh, beautiful songs on it. But I think in order to talk about it, we have to talk about your friend, Carl. Mm-hmm. So I think for people who uh, are listening to this, who don't know the story at all, h- how would you feel about telling me a little bit about your friend, Carl?
1: Yeah, so... Well, Carl, I met when I was like 25 years old. What was his full name? Carl Barham. Mm-hmm. We called him Horse. Um, he was one of those beautiful people that came into my life because of uh, this thing that I got to do, you know, which was playing a band and travel around. And, and so Carl, we met him in England. We needed a, a guy who could work for cheap to do sound, and uh, he was recommended to us. And then Carl joined the sort of the family working for the band, and then working for me and I like to keep my guys around as long as possible so yeah. most of my crew are have been with me forever you know cuz it's my family so long story long um Carl becomes one of the closest people in my life and beyond working for me on the road we started making records together and yeah, it's just basically like the closest thing you can have to a brother, right? And then uh yeah, in twenty nineteen, in September, right right before a week before my last record was gonna come out that we had made together, he he passed away tragically and and that's Carl.
0: I'm so sorry for you. I mean, I think the first time we really got to talk, we talked a little bit about him. And and certainly yeah. now I'm even sitting here now realizing how fresh that must have been for you.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think about that conversation you and I had a lot because, you know, I had not really wanted to do any of that once the, all that happened. And so you were the really one of the only people I talked to about even that record. Yeah. And then it was like weeks after and, you know, and then I went on that tour and then the world kind of stopped. Yeah. So that conversation you and I had was one of those like, rare moments in those early days of it where I just sort of talked about it.
0: Yeah. You know? I can't imagine. I mean, I think for people who don't know what it's like to tour and don't know what it's like to be in a band and and part of like a touring group, they don't understand how deep those relationships can really be. Like, this is not losing a coworker. This is not losing even a friend.
1: No, it's way beyond that. And and it is a very strange way to live. And only certain people are, are sort of wired to do it. Yeah. And then when you, when you meet those people and you actually get to do it and spend a lifetime, what, what feels like, with these people, it's, it's almost, um, yeah, you, do, you don't even really have the words to describe the bond you create. Yeah. Because it's like, it's a different way of living.
0: Did you feel any, I mean, so it's, it's a beautiful record, and, and it's, there's a lot of it about him, or at least like I infer to be about him. Meant to be is, I think, about him. When I grew up
1: Yeah, that's it's I mean there's so much of it is rooted like I I think to me at this point the record I think it's just about loss as a whole. Yeah. And trying to move through that, you know, and find your way to the other side of it. But yes, yeah, so much of it is informed by losing Carl because it's the, the deepest experience I've ever had to go through with regarding grief. You know, and me being the way I am and writing about my feelings um it was like a real just sort of it was a it was it was a really interesting process to go through because i you know how do you write about something like that elegantly and um still be as honest as possible you know
0: when did you know you were ready to start writing about it? It wasn't until really
1: like right before. My fortieth birthday, which was also the, is like the one year anniversary of of Carl passing, right? So it's like I was turning forty, and I was thinking about this, and it was I was going through some other things personally, and it was just like tailor made midlife crisis. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and
0: I don't mean to laugh. But no, it's yeah, because yeah, I, yeah, I laugh at yeah. it because
1: I think, wow, I I'd really somehow put myself into, yeah, just like write it all down, and there it is, you know, in the dictionary. Uh, so it was really just a couple of like, it was around there where I just was like, okay, I need to, I need, I need to focus this energy elsewhere.
0: Well, that makes sense. Cause there's a lyric I wanted to ask you about, which was, um, and then the morning came and the sun started rising, but I was missing my friend. Yeah. But
2: I was missing my friend. So have-
1: Yeah. And that's where, like when I was writing that song, that's where I was with it, you know, like still in a very, uh, a place of, uh, you know, unbelief. Like I couldn't work out how this is what had happened still, you know? So I was really questioning that song is like, I'm trying to eulogize horse, but I think I'm also questioning my faith in whatever you want to put faith into and the, you know, my Catholic upbringing and yeah, and and just total disbelief that that it had happened, you know. And asking myself, how do I get through it?
0: I know this is um a slightly unpunk thing to talk about, but did you through going through this loss find some faith or rediscover some faith you might have lost or uh no. Okay.
1: I mean, I found faith in myself and I found faith in the things I I believe in, but I it, it I mean, I've always sort of tiptoed around and, and used religious imagery and yeah, and things like that. And I've, I have songs questioning it all the time, and it's because I, you know, I was born and I was born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school, graduated, and I started to realize I was pretty. I really like being my own person and <laughs> coming to things on my own. But still, you can't unlearn a lot of that. And I know that parts of the way I am are because I was raised a certain way. Mm-hmm. With "Meant to Be," it was just a good. That was a good place for me to, like I said, sort of like i like to have these big unanswerable questions that i pine over in my head and then just try to write like a little pretty simple song about it
0: Do you get any answers? Like, like, th- th- just like, on the record, just like, how do I carry on? How do I heal? Like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to love again after this big insurmountable loss? Yeah. D- did you get any answers?
1: Yeah, I think you just have to move forward. It's like, I think part of what made me really feel comfortable writing about all of this was, I mean, a few things. I guess I, this is how I always have been, and people seem to connect with it, so I never feel like I need to do anything write any other way
0: what do you mean like you've always written about the things you've yeah, gone like
1: through yeah like this is just like when I when I put out the first record and it was basically just a bunch of journal entries to like six and a half minute long acoustic songs yeah, yeah. and a bunch of people sort of took that and ran with it
2: I've been through the Rockies love scene says good I've driven down the highway one just hoping that I'd see you
1: I've always sort of felt supported in this way of writing, so that that was one thing. But I think the other real revelation was realizing that the things I was going through were absolutely not singular to me and my friends. Yeah, we were. I was experiencing uh, the grief of my friend, who I considered a brother. I was experiencing, you know, the loss of love in a way. Yeah. I was experiencing the sort of loss of my what I sort of assumed my identity was was just this person who goes out and makes music and tours, and then that was not there, yeah, so all I was doing was living and 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 then I thought, okay, well, I can write about this like this is not just for me, but this is a this is just something I can do, you know this is something I can do that can help me get through a lot of this yeah just that that's sort of how I found the healing and found my way back to the light and moving forward was. By writing
0: about it. And what else can you do? There's nothing. Like, I remember, I went through a pretty significant loss in my early 20s. And I remember, like, I remember turning down this um, uh, intersection in St. John's. And I just remember, like, it sounds so stupid, but I remember realizing that, like, all these people are going to work. They don't know what I'm going through. Absolutely. They don't know what I'm going through. And they're continuing their lives. And the sun's still coming up. Like, I have no other option. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that was just a real moment there where you... You know, you've heard about this this kind of state of being your whole life. Yeah. You're going to lose people. It's going to destroy you. Yeah. You don't know when it's coming. Yeah. But you do know it's coming. Yeah. Whether it's you doing it to other people yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like the one of the only truths we really know. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Don't you worry. Right? But then it happens and you find yourself in a state that you feel like you'll never be able to get out of. Right? And then it just starts to happen. Yeah. So to me it was like I can just write a document uh, that represents like where I am as a human being right now in this stage of my life. And then you just hope that it can grow wings and resonate with somebody else.
2: What would you do? What would you say if I was gone?
0: I'm Tom Power and you're listening to Q. Dallas Green is my guest, also known as City in Color. He's talking about the new City and Color record, the love that held me near. It's a really personal record. It's it's shaped by the grief he felt after the death of his friend and bandmate, but it also looks at how we move through grief and come out the other side changed.
2: If you say it now, and leave no doubt,
0: if, if I, my understanding is Carl, the, the, the friend that you lost, horse, that why did you call him horse by the way? He,
1: do you want, do you really want the story? It's great, I think. It's just Why wouldn't I? I I'm, I'm okay. here. I got nowhere to be. We were on tour uh, in the early aughts, I guess. And I think we were in Austria, if I can remember exactly where we were. And Carl referred to George as Horse. George from Alexis George from Alexis Horse. Like, you know, hey, Horse, can you pass me that thing? And George was like, what are you? why are you calling me a horse? Like, what what is that? Don't call me a horse. And Carl's response was literally just matter of fact, horses are like majestic. Why would you not want to be called horse? And George was like, you're right. Okay. And then from that moment on, everybody in the group started referring to each other as horse instead of like pal or or man. It was like, and then it kind of became a verb, you know, horse, can you horse me over that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. And so over time, we all just like would, us and the Brits would refer to each other as horse, but then because Carl sort of originated the term, he really truly became horse.
0: So there you go. There's that nice moment on the record where there's like a little bit of a cheers to horse. Cheers, talk, horse. Cheers to horse. Yeah. Cheers, horse. Cheers, horse. One, two, three. The difference between what we talked about before and what I think you had to deal with here is that my understanding is, is that Carl engineered your records, right? Like, yeah. And so you had to go in your records up to this point, And so you had to go in and make this record a, in some ways about grief, about loss, but inspired by the loss of your friend. Yes. You had to also go into the studio probably for one of the first times in a long time without him.
1: Yes, very much so. The, everybody that was in that studio, we all knew Carl very well. So When we went in to make that record, there was no explaining what we were there to accomplish. Everybody was on board, knew what we were going to be sort of like digging into emotionally, what I was. um,
0: Was it emotional, hard to do? Was it hard to do? There were moments. Or could you kind of turn off and. Yeah.
1: There were definitely moments that were very difficult because you just, it was like how you just explained it. It was like, we're making a record, which all of us know how to do it's all most of us have ever done but so many of these songs were about our friend who we used to make records with and he's not here and i'm i'm this, he was he was there in such spirit do you know what i mean but that made it difficult at times because you just wished he was there
0: yeah the other part that seems incredibly difficult is you went to australia and performed some of this music yeah Australia is, um, if I'm not mistaken, where Carl died. It was a scuba diving accident mm-hmm. in, in Australia. So not only had you had to make this record, I mean, I'm getting filled up thinking about it, to be honest with you. Like, not only did you have to make this record about your, your buddy that he would have made with you, but he wasn't there. But then you have to go to where, where all this tra- tra- tragedy unfolded and return to it yeah. and sing about it. It was heavy. Yeah, man. But it was beautiful.
1: Yeah? It really was. What do you remember about it? Well, I think we were all, because most of the people that came with me were there when it happened. Okay. And I think we all just really leaned into it. We went back to the small town. We, uh, We had lunch where Horace had breakfast for the last time. We went to the water. We like... We went and and sat in it, you know, because that's also part of, I think, moving forward. It's like there was no part of me that was not going to go back to Australia um, because I had had so many beautiful moments there, and a lot of them with horse. So to avoid it is to do nothing of service for yourself, right? And that's what I learned by making the record, you know, like the record was, was a... It's how I grieved. You know, it's how I healed was was to write about it. And to be singing meant to be out there, like I was opening the shows with it. I was like, let's go, right? Like we're going to, again, like I wrote this song as a, this is a eulogy for my friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And what was really beautiful was to play it. And every time we'd play it, I could see somebody having a moment with it, like whether they were feeling for me or whether they had just gone through it, or it was like, okay, this is why I, this is what you do, you know, like, cause I can, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. That's the thing about song. That's the thing about albums about grief and songs about grief. And you don't really understand it until you've gone through it is that you, 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 hit the nail on the head earlier is People don't need to write albums in in a grand way about grief. If you write about an experience that you went through that was informed by grief and loss, people like me or or people who have gone through shit like that will feel it in our own lives. Yeah. It'll just happen.
1: I think that's good.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: You know, I had somebody tell me yesterday that, that, that had heard the record. They were like... She was getting mad at me in a way, but it was jokingly. She was like, man, this record, it's like in my head. I, she's like, I don't talk about
0: my feelings. I never talk <laughs> about my feelings.
2: But
1: you're you're saying things I'm thinking yeah. about. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Maybe this will
0: help. Are you, um, maybe this is a good, what are we going to play? We're going to play Begin Again, by the way. Oh, cool. Talk, talk, talk to me. About, so you, that, that was the one you wrote in February. Yeah, it was, right?
1: I feel like I, I, I probably didn't finish it till later on, but I know that there was a bunch of the idea of it, like the melody was there and there was a couple of lines i had written down that you know like there ain't no relief in this dying game and things like that where i was pretty i was in a pretty dark spot there so it felt like i was about to write a bunch of very lonely sad songs you know but um i think that song kind of ended up being quite joyful yeah you know and i think that's why i ended up at the end recording it was great cuz it was one of the few songs there's two songs on the record where we all literally just sat in the room and recorded it together. Yeah. And that's one of them. And
0: Well, th- that's not lost on me that you told me last time that, hey, I'm going to get out of here and do this all by myself. I need to be by myself. I need to be away from my band. Yeah. Kind of to process it, right? I need to be by myself. Yeah. And then you write the song and you ended up recording it not by yourself at yeah, all. Yeah, with all my
1: friends. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And that's the cheers horse moment where, because we were all in there together and I, you know, I, that's what you say now. You say cheers horse mm-hmm. and- They all said it back to me and it just happened to be the one that was good. You know,
0: you, you, in addition to the loss of your, your buddy and you, I mean, you know, I I don't know the specifics but you you just told me you've gone through a bunch of shit, like a, a a certifiable midlife crisis, an all timer midlife crisis. All right. Do you feel like a different person now? How, how do you, how are you a different person now? Ultimately, I did think I've, I I do think I found a new version of myself.
1: You know, I think I found some way to be proud of myself, which I think changed my attitude towards writing. I think I found that instead of going the one the one way that I could have gone, the darkness. Yeah, I chose the other way, and and um, I do feel different. You know, and not that I didn't really like the person I was before it, but you know, he just. I do feel like I learned some things and yeah, can apply them to the rest of my time here.
0: That feeling about uh, self pride, self compassion like that like, even if you even if you're happy with who you were before that can that can change it all. Yeah, I find it can change yeah. it all. I I mean, I just I love the record so much. Thanks, man. I um, I really love listening to it, and, and I didn't you know I, I loved the the parts that I felt like I was hearing you talk about your friend. I loved the parts that it made me reflect on my own sort of process. I, I loved the music. I loved the melodies. You know. I'm really, I'm
1: really, I really love how it sounds. Like I'm really proud of the band and just like capturing it, you know, sounds alive. It sounds,
0: yeah. It sounds joyful.
1: Yeah. I think it sounds the Mm. way I, I was sort of hoping to feel (laughs) (laughs) by the time I was finished, you know? Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, man.
2: It's been a long time. Since I felt peace in my mind Through cold, dark days I've been holding the line Seems all my friends Are stuck in this passing strange And there ain't no relief In this dying game This hungry beast It will continue to feed It cares not for your heart And it offers no sympathy I've grown so tired Of this boundless race So let the wind and the water Take me away Cause I love you
0: City and Color and begin again. Again, I'm so grateful to Dallas for coming in and, and sharing his story and, and opening up the way that he did. The new City and Color album is really beautiful. It's called The Love That Held Me Near, especially if you've lost someone close to you and I mean who hasn't at this point, right? Um, I think you're really gonna love it. Dallas is also heading out on tour. For more information, go to cityandcolor.com. And if you're listening to this in the US, Color has a U in it.
2: So save me a seat at your table. Let's phone a friend.
0: Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of Sync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show.
2: It's your show, girl.
0: New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So work girl, yeah, work it- Okay, that's enough.
3: All right, what path do I want to take right now? Sometimes you take the self-destructive path, and then other times you're gonna take the, you know, the harder, constructive path. But then you learn how to produce music, you know.
0: Tom Power, you're listening to Q, that's Debbie Friday, you're listening to you right there. I'll tell you the story of how Debbie Friday ends up on the show. This doesn't happen very often. We got emailed a song, we listened to it, we loved it, we knew you had to hear it, but we had no idea what a compelling story Debbie Friday has. Debbie came to Canada from Nigeria when she was just a kid. She grew up in Montreal in a pretty religious family. She's going to tell you her story in just a second. Her new album is brilliant. It's called Good Luck. Here's my conversation with Debbie Friday. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you? I'm
0: not too bad. Thanks for being here.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: Um, So I I want to give people an introduction to you, and and it'll be an introduction to a lot of our audience. So um, I was reading an interview with you, and it said something like you you led something like of a nomadic life in and around Montreal, and that combined with, like, immigrating to Canada at a young age led, led to this sense of rootlessness was the word I saw. Yeah, Talk to me, what does that mean?
3: Yeah, when I say rootlessness, I guess I mean in the sense of even though I would consider myself like a Montrealer and Montreal is my hometown, I also just don't really feel like I have a, sp- a home that's tied to a certain place like there's all these places that i've lived that have really like shaped me and shaped who i am as a person and they're all my home in a little way and when i go places and visit places those places also become my home and people are part of my home like i don't feel rooted in um just like one context or like one specific geographical location and i think Part of that is, you know, like I said, growing up, we moved around a lot, like so much. It was always... How much? I went to a different elementary school for my entire elementary school time. The like one, every year? Yeah, every single year. And we lived in a different house, like every single year almost. Like, I don't really know why. Yeah, why? I, why? why would they... You got to ask my parents. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really let's know get, why. Let's get them in. Yeah. Let's get them in. <laughs> um, but, but you did. And,
0: yeah. And so what's the, what's the impact of that?
3: I don't know. I feel like it's made me really flexible in a lot of ways. And it's also made me really adaptable. Like, I feel like I could survive anywhere, especially after, you know, growing up in Montreal for the majority of it. So it's like, we moved around a bunch. I'd say things kind of settled down around high school and we stayed in Montreal in just one place. I went to one high school and, From there though, it just made me like really adaptable. Like I feel like you could drop me in any city and I would be able to survive. I'd be able to figure it out some way somehow.
0: Was there much music in the house growing up?
3: Yeah, lots. Gospel music though. Like what? Yeah, just like, well, my dad's favorite artist is King Sunny Ade. Yeah. He's this Nigerian singer. Yeah. Um, the, my parents were also fans of like felakuti yeah. and just a lot of also like gospel music. So like, think Western Christian, like progressive rock, like that kind of stuff. Really? Yeah. yeah. A lot of that. Did you like it? Some of it. Yeah, for sure. I did. It's got, um, how do I say? It's just got this like emotive factor. It's got like an emotionality about it that I think is what, connects to people a lot and why a lot of people yeah. like it so i like that aspect and the theatricality of it like i grew up um my parents are very christian and i grew up in a very like christian household yeah and so we we're always going to things like revivals and stuff like that and these events they're so theatrical you know there's singing there's shouting people are screaming people are falling down rolling around like it's just it's a whole production
0: was it okay when the music you started making... You're smiling at me. Yeah. <laughs> w- you don't have to answer it. Was it okay when the music you started making wasn't uh, sacred music?
3: Yeah, it was okay in the sense of like, I think... For my family, it's like, well, what are they going to do, really? Like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've always been very rebellious, even when I was younger. So I think by the time the music came around, they were just like, okay, you know, yeah, all right. At least she's doing something with her life, you know.
0: Well, what's the story then? It's like, you sort of immerse yourself in the DJ and club culture yeah. of Montreal, right? Can you tell me about that? Yeah. It's a very mysterious world to me. I'm always really? very interested in it.
3: You have never been clubbing in Montreal? Uh,
0: no, because I, I, I grew up and I toured for a long time sort of playing folk music. Yeah. So like fiddle and accordion music. Thanks, and yeah. that was the sort of world that I lived in. Like big kind of parties of that kind of music whenever I would like travel to Quebec. And like, you know, play these like jams and everything until like five or six in the morning. And then I always knew there was this other scene happening that I've always wanted to sort of be a part. Not to be a part of, but I would like to visit. Mm. But now I get sleepy at like 1130.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So tell me tell me a little bit about what that was like for you.
3: Um, so... In Montreal, it's like I kind of I started clubbing actually pretty early. I'm gonna say this; my family's gonna watch this, but I started clubbing when I was like 15 or something. Yeah, there used to be this way that you could um, fix your health card, so it would say that you were older than you were, and that's what I did. That was my fake ID. I
0: love how you described it as fixing it. Yeah, you'd by fix the way, it. yeah, yeah. You fix, yeah it's, <laughs> it's wrong; it's broken. You yeah. gotta fix it. Exactly. Okay, so you you'd fix your ID. What was yeah. the f- can you tell me the first club you went to? Do you remember that? Oh man! Do you remember the first time you went?
3: The first time I went clubbing, uh, I was in high school, just finishing high school, um, about to go to Sagep. I don't remember the name of the first club, but there was like a it, it was like a bar club, and there was a mechanical bull. It's actually like a mainstay, but the name is like is escaping me right now. But I remember distinctly that's like the first memory I have. And then from there, I left Montreal. Um, for university i went to ottawa and i did school there for four years and i was like i went wild in ottawa i was clubbing i was doing all sorts of stuff and what i would do is that i would on the weekends i would take the greyhound to montreal go out party with my friends and then go back to ottawa on monday and go to class (laughs) what what did you love about about clubbing I just love, well, I love music, first of all. So if there was good music, like, I would just be there. And then I started meeting people. So there's also the sense of community. You know, you meet people you have common interests with. You get along with them. You make friends. And you start going out to more things. And then I think also just the catharsis of it, you know, it's like an escape but it's a, a embodied escape. It's like you can you can dance everything out. You know, you can just be there, and you get to move through your body in a way that I don't think you get to in ordinary life.
0: H- help me understand that better. So it's like you when you were going to these clubs, like if you were kind of feeling anything, if you were kind of going through anything, you could kind of lose yourself in Pretty the much. in the dance music.
3: Yeah. And, All the time, every time. If I was, like, upset, whatever, it was like, all right, let's go out. Let's go out. Like, that was my remedy for things.
0: When did you... When? Why did you stop?
3: Uh, That is... Okay, I can answer that in, like, many different ways.
0: Whatever way you want to. Yeah. So... You did stop, then, Yes, I
3: did. I... Well, now I'm, like, I'm not in my Club Queen era anymore, but I, I go out, but I go out sober now and stuff, but basically in, I think it was like around uh, 2017, like I started DJing and stuff and I did that for a very short period of time and I had this experience where I was on tour in Europe it was my first time in Europe, first time traveling by myself like that and I was there for a month and it was just such a transformative experience, like I saw things I'd never seen before, communities of artists coming together and just the way that music could bring people together but also the fact that people could make a career out of it. Like, I met so many artists and it really inspired me. And then at the same time, I was having this time in my life where I don't know how to explain it really, other than like something from outside of me. Just all of these structures in my life were totally disintegrating. Like, I didn't have a job, didn't have a place to live. Like, I just was a hot mess. And so it dawned on me then it was like, well, I have to get my shit together. Like I have to get myself together. Like I can't continue on this path because it wasn't just the clubbing and and raving and all of that. It was also you know a lot of substance abuse and my mental health was terrible. Yeah. And so I just I don't know. Like I had a, a light bulb moment when it
0: feels like that. All that stuff was escaping a little bit. Like it feels like as much as there might be a release in losing your like losing yourself in a club and dancing all yeah. night. It's also a good way to escape. Some Definitely, stuff, you know? yeah.
3: One of the best ways because you're having fun while you're doing it as well, and you're with other people who are doing similar things, you know.
0: And so you you kind of found yourself escaping into that world, and also yeah. escaping into like substances and dr- yeah. drugs and booze and stuff like that. And and you one day were like, I gotta, I gotta stop.
3: Yeah, I just quit cold turkey, everything. Like, I went sober, I stopped DJing, and I quit going out. And then it was also around that time that I left Montreal. um, And I ended up moving to Vancouver. There was, like, one stop along the way where... Um, I was in Calgary and I lived in my mom's basement for nine months and I always say that time was like I was being like born because I just I didn't leave the basement like I barely went outside I barely even talked to my family like I didn't meet I barely met a single soul while I was there but it was during that time that I learned how to produce music and I made my first EP I made Bitch Punk Stay up, stay up Uh, 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 uh. Stay up, stay up Uh, uh, uh better not the up a And I put it out right as I moved to Vancouver, and everything changed for me. Yeah.
0: Is the sobriety
3: good?: Yeah, it's amazing. yeah. Like, now I'm sober in the sense of, like, there's no drugs, no smoking, um, and I'll have, like, one drink a month, and I'm like, oh, this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I hear yeah. it really can clarify it, like, especially oh, if you're an artist, sure. like it can really motivate you for and sure. clarify you. I
3: think I'm just, like, the type of person that needs that, like, the clearer I am, the better better i think i'm able to express myself and to connect with what i want to connect with yeah
0: and friends of mine have told me that it's boring for a little while but then like the highs get higher than ever before for sure
3: yeah you experience emotions differently like i've i'm always an emotional person but now that i'm sober it's like i experience them almost more fully in this way because there's nothing to there's no barrier between yourself and your emotions anymore
0: i really appreciate you talking to me about all that
3: yeah thanks for asking
0: um Tell me about getting signed to Sub Pop. So Sub Pop, for people who don't know, sort yeah. of a legendary label. Um, they, they signed Nirvana. Yes.
2: One baby to says I'm lucky to meet you.
3: What, how, how does that happen? Um, a miracle. I don't know. <laughs> 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 uh, it was just... So I had finished the record and... we were kind of like shopping it around to different labels and talking to different people. And then we started talking to sub pop and they've always been supporters of my music, Um, them and clipping. And it's just like, they've, always really been super supportive super encouraging and so we started talking to them and I just felt that it was right like I felt like this is it this is what I want to do I feel like this is the right move for me and they were so supportive of me also like maintaining creative control which is something that's really important for me it's like I don't just do all these things to do them I do them because I want to and I feel like I need to you know I want to be able to say that whatever I put out is mine and it's coming from me.
0: Because it doesn't really sound like anything else. I'm not surprised about that. So they, so they, and we'll talk about that in a second, but they were into it. They were like, okay. Yeah,
3: for sure. Yeah, yeah. They were really excited and I felt really excited and it just went together.
0: Because it's an interesting sell, this record. Like I was talking to you a little bit about Mm. this before. Like it's, it's so many different things. Like there are, and I, I sort of hate putting genres on things, but I'll do my best. Like there are, Moments where you can listen to it and go, like, oh, this is sort of industrial. There are moments on it where you sort of like, it feels like hip hop. There are moments that it feels like punk. There, are, like, the song we played so hard to tell in the beginning is like a pop song. Yeah. That's like a, a beautiful, just old fashioned mm-hmm. pop song. What I'm curious about is like, is there any underlining philosophy to all this music or is there, or, or is it just sort of an experiment in different genres or whatever you're feeling?
3: I think I always say, I always describe the music I make as hybrid music. And that is the thing that holds everything together is a sense of hybridity. And when I say that, I'm really like referring to just the way that in modern context now and in modern times, like, the idea of genre yeah. almost isn't even applicable to anything because we all grew up on the internet. Yeah. And because of that, we have access to essentially what is like an archive of all of like human thought, like everything, you know? And so you can pull from all of these places that you wouldn't have been able to before. And what happens is that everything starts, you start to see the connections between everything like, Oh, this sounds like this because this sounded like that. And then and everything just becomes a hybrid of itself. And so that's how it would just, it.
0: I mean that's such a beautiful way to think about music, and what a what a free way to be able mm-hmm. to be a musician for the first time in kind of history. Mm-hmm. You don't have for to be sure. hemmed into like a thing.
3: Yeah, it's a beautiful time right now.
0: It really it really is. You know, I think I think about that all the time. I have a, I have another question sort of about your creative impulse here. So, you have a podcast about astrology. Yeah, um, you have a short film that accompanies this record. Mm-hmm. You part of your MFA. Uh, work at Simon Fraser University was around NFTs. Is that right?
3: Uh, I made an audio play that I turned into an NFT. Yeah,
0: right. Another one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so tired of audio plays about I NFTs. So oh, come on. Yeah. We could Get original. <laughs> but is there like an under? Is there an underlying creative impulse to all this mm-hmm. work?
3: I think it's just pure expression like I want to express myself as honestly and as purely as I can and part of that is like following those creative impulses because not everything is going to remain you know like for example like I haven't made another NFT in a really long time but I'm glad that I did that you know and I experimented and I tried it out I think that's really important when it comes to being a creative person and just expressing yourself as an artist Is there like a
0: lesson there like when you when you look back because it's your 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 story is not a linear one no. It's like there's a story where things were kind of going one way and then there's like a, a big stop and there's like 9 months in your mom's
3: basement there's, yeah. there's
0: sobriety <laughs> there's learning and it sounds to me like you feel like a very different person right now.
3: I do, definitely.
0: Is there a lesson there?
3: Mm, lesson or just life, really. Like, it's just life. Like, the way I see it, it's like, I I half believe in this idea of uh, fate and destiny and that there's, like, certain things that you are supposed to do in your life. You know, there's certain paths you're supposed to take, but then you also have this freedom to choose them or not. And it all depends on you. It's like, what do you want to choose? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to become, really? And so I think with each of these stages of my life, it was really about me making that choice of like, all right, what path do I want to take right now? Sometimes you take the self-destructive path, you know, because there's things you need to learn down that that path. And then other times you're going to take the, you know, the harder constructive path, but then you learn how to produce music, you know?
0: I haven't heard a record like this, I think, before in Canada. I think it's so great. Thank you. Just a lot of really different things on it, and I have to like when I first heard the record, I was like, I'm not sure, man. I, you know, I don't know, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and then I just sort of just gave myself to it, and I I really love it. Thanks for coming in and talking Thank to me a little you. bit about Thank it. Um, I think things are going to kind of blow up for you in a really big way. <laughs>
3: I hope so. Like,
0: <laughs> but that's that presents its own kind of set of challenges, though. I mean, is there something you can do to keep yourself grounded as all this happens?
3: Mm, my friends and my family really yeah. always, like, that's always what I go back to. Like, I'm actually pretty, like, private and... Um, how do I say interior, like outside of performing life and stuff? Like, I spend a lot of time at home and I like to be alone. And yeah. I think that's what keeps me centered.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah. People don't expect that from people no. like you. Me, do they? Yeah. They think because we like perform for a living. Yeah. But I just want to be by myself. Like,
3: no, I like to be at home. Yeah, yeah.
0: Me too. I want to watch Friday Night Lights.
3: Yeah. Or just sit in the dark. sitting yeah. sit
0: in the dark. <laughs> hey, lovely to meet you.
3: Nice to meet you. You too. made a really lovely
0: record. So hard to tell from Debbie Friday's brilliant new album, Good Luck. You can stream that wherever you stream your music. If you want to pass on that conversation to someone who you think might dig it, cbc.ca. q That is it for the show today. Tomorrow on the show, Tahib Jimo plays a star soccer player in the hit TV show Ted Lasso. So when Tahib got the call, he'd only been a working actor for two years, but now he's in one of the biggest TV shows on Earth. He'll talk about all the things he and his character Sam actually have in common. We'll see you then. Later on.